Welcome to the In Plain Sight podcast, a project of City Care, an Oklahoma City-based nonprofit that inspires those willing to look social injustice and extreme poverty in the face and empowers them to do whatever it takes to create change. It is our goal to inspire you to care well for your city by bringing to light stories and issues lost in plain sight, hiding in the margins of our communities. You belong here because each of us has a role to play in the collective well-being of our friends and neighbors. We are activists for the overlooked and we are so glad you're here. We've made it to part three of three in our introductory series. My name is Jenna and I'm your host for the In Plain Sight podcast. This is our final conversation this round with Adam Luck, City Care CEO, with the goal of introducing our podcast, The Heart of City Care, and what you can expect to hear more about from us in coming months. If you've not listened to parts one and two, I'd invite you to stop, go back, listen to those for some important context for these conversations and those moving forward. This is my favorite episode in the series. Adam shares an incredible personal story of his friend and neighbor, Abe. His story provides an example of the power of proximity and creating margin in your day to interact with neighbors and friends. Listen in. Welcome, Adam. We're so glad to have you back for the third episode. Yeah, as always, just excited to be here. So thanks. Great. Well, I want to wrap up kind of our introductory series. Yes. And today I want to talk about the importance of nuance. So my goal is I want us to kind of have this conversation and help everyone listening understand, you know, how do we take a collective approach to big issues like we're talking about, but also understand that every story is different and requires nuance and understanding and flexibility. And so I just was kind of hoping that you could Tell us about that and what you think. I mean, they feel like opposing views, you know, so how do we kind of work through that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you kind of mentioned it a few minutes ago. I think part of what we've got to do is come to a collective understanding of really what does it mean to talk about these issues on a community scale? So we say often that this is a community issue that deserves a community response. Well, how can it be a community response if we don't all agree on what the problem actually is? Some, in, in a lot of ways, we have to elevate the conversation to a point where we can all talk about it together and use common language and have a common framework and have a common understanding of what the problem is so that we can start to talk about uh, what a solution might be. But in that work, we, can't, we cannot lose the nuance of, of the individual. We can't lose focus of, of how an individual might get to the point of experiencing homelessness. And I think that's really where, uh, at least for me personally, it's come down to like knowing individuals, knowing my neighbors, knowing people who have walked through these experiences. And with each individual comes a unique story. And with each story comes an understanding of, you know, one more piece of the puzzle kind of put together so that in any moment you can take a step back and get to that 10,000 foot view and say, here are some ways that we can, as a community, address homelessness. And then in, in the next breath, go, go right back down into the weeds and say, here's the story of my friend and here's, here's how this particular incident impacted his life. And, you know, so I feel like that's really ultimately where I think we would want to be as a community is where we can sort of move between those two perspectives of understanding it from a big picture level, what's going on and, and what are some of the systems and what are the policies and what are the big levers of change that we can pull on uh, while at the same time, our hearts being deeply, deeply connected to individuals who have experienced these things. So it's not just 
statistics and data, but it's actually people and stories and families. Great. Adam, um, could you uh, share a story uh, that is in, that you've experienced that's highly nuanced um, in, the, in your approach that was required to find resolution and transformation? So one that is, you know, any data point, any kind of overarching, you know, broad stroke of a brush that you just like anybody, any stereotypes that anybody put on this person mm-hmm. and just that they didn't fit in that category mm-hmm. and can, can you kind of walk us through that story? Right? Yeah. Story? I mean, how much time do we have? You know, <laughs> there's like so many that come to mind. Um, and so many of these have just come from making an extra 30 minutes before my lunch appointment to walk around downtown and have a conversation with somebody or stopping by the day shelter and not just serving lunch, but making a point to go there just to sit down and have lunch with somebody. And it's just amazing what I feel like God has done in my heart through these relationships, just by creating a little bit of margin to talk with people and not just hand something out, but sit down and talk and ask to hear somebody's story. And so, I mean, literally we could, we could probably, I mean, between the three of us just talk for hours about, about all these individual stories. But um, the one, you know, when you ask that most recently that comes to mind is, is actually my neighbor and his name's Abe. And when I met Abe, he was living in his cab. He was a taxi driver. He was living in the alley behind my house. So he was two doors down from me, uh, had lived there for a number of years with a roommate and his visa expired. So he lived in the United States for 30 plus years. Um, I think previously he lived in Jordan and uh, he just forgot like his visa expired and and, you know over the years that we've known each other there's a really great sense of shame in his life around this mistake like it was like a lapse in judgment you know like he he forgot and and every time we talked about it just like I don't I don't know how like I'll never let this happen again I don't know how it happened Uh, but nevertheless his visa expired and so he couldn't renew his driver's license and so he couldn't drive his cab and so here Abe was he uh, could no longer make rent and so he had to move out of his apartment into his car which he couldn't drive and so that's uh, the first time i met abe you know he was uh it was in the fall of uh, 2000 well it was the summer of 2017 so almost two years ago and uh, he was living in the back of his cab and you know it just started with conversations in the alley you know we would talk and um over the years you know we got to know each other really well and shared many meals together and he came to church with us several times and um he you know knows all of my kids and my kids all know him and he uh loves my three-year-old in particular because i think he just you know connects with mercer's spirit mercer is just like this he's never met a stranger you know Mm -hmm. he just loves remembering people's names and going up to them and giving high fives and stuff and abe and mercer just really connected um but he also loved my dog, you know, and he would, uh, at a certain point, you know, we developed a relationship with him and he would come stay at our house whenever we were out of town and watch our dog and stuff. And, um, you know, we just developed this deep friendship with Abe. And so on face value, you know, there, there was a lot of questions around like, okay, how did Abe get into this situation? And then through learning that story, we started to think about like, what are some ways Abe could possibly get out of the situation? And I think to your point, Bryce, like on face value, you look at Abe and you see him living in a car behind this apartment in this in this alley behind this house. And it's like, 
what is that guy doing? You know, like, how did he get in this situation and why is he not fixing it? Well, come to find out, like, once you spend a little bit of time with Abe through relationship, you know, you start to understand, oh, well, okay, well, for him to apply to get his visa reinstatement is $550. Mm -hmm. So for a guy who, like, who no longer has a job, who was driving a cab, probably living paycheck to paycheck in the first place, I mean, again, like maybe we could say we should have had savings, you know, and you can kind of walk through the list of things that we would say, oh, this person should have done this or they should have done that. So, again, we mentioned this in a previous episode, but just like meeting people with grace where they are, I would just say, well, how are you asking yourself those questions? Mm -hmm. Who taught you to ask those questions? Who taught you to think that way? And and I think what we have to do is come to a place and ask, like, did did Abe have those same people? was Abe taught those same things and if he wasn't then can we meet him where he's at with grace and say regardless of how you got here let's focus on how we can maybe maybe take the next step and so that's kind of where Sarah and I met Abe was just like all right well you know where's your heart what do you want to do and he was remarkably resilient you know we the first thing we did was we just connected with his legal aid lawyer so he had already made contact with legal aid on his own and you know legal aid is just a phenomenal organization they had already worked through the visa application and they were really just waiting on check, you know, to like send, send his application in. Um, I'll try, try not to make this story too long, but, uh, you know, we connected with him and, and at this point we had helped Abe, uh, financially to the point where we felt like this would be something that we could bring to the church. And so our church at Skyline, we have something called change for a dollar. So any cash that comes in on Sundays goes into this account and then it's just available to community members, people of the church to come and say, Hey, exactly like this like either hey i need my utility bill paid or my neighbor needs their utility bill paid or you know this person passed away and their family doesn't have resources for a funeral like all of those are things that you know have actually happened so i just brought it to the church and said hey here's my neighbor and he needs 550 dollars for a visa application and they wrote the check that day and so um abe sent it in and you know then the next step was like well he needed somebody to take him to his biometric appointment to like get his fingerprints and you know I'll do all the finish up all the paperwork to actually submit it. And, you know, again, just thinking about like Abe didn't have anybody to even take him to that appointment. So like I came home and picked him up and we went and you could tell that he had, you know, figured out a place to shower and shave and clean up. And he was kind of telling me like what to do with his stuff in the event that he didn't come back. And he was visibly you know shaken and not really sure like what was going to happen because this is, Imagine, you know, he's, he's interacting with the federal government and he's saying like, I made a mistake. Like I'm here technically illegally. I don't have a a valid visa. Um, and he was concerned, you know, fortunately, obviously Abe, uh, was fine and came back from his appointment. And two weeks later he got his green card in the mail, which he was not expecting. He was expecting it to be like a conditional, you know, approval and then all this other stuff, but he actually got his, his, green card um two weeks later and he was just super excited about that and you know again like um celebrating that with him and kind of being the person for him that he was getting to walk through all this with was just such an honor and privilege to to walk through that with him but so then we got to move into like the next thing right so like all right Abe like what's next okay well you've got your visa application now you need to get your driver's license well that was another couple hundred dollars like getting your driver's license reinstated um so we did that went to the appointment for that and I was like, okay, now you can drive. All right, like, what's the next thing? All right, your car. Like, we need to get your your car tagged and titled. It's been expired for a year. So, you know, 
that's a certain amount of dollars every day that your tags are expired. So that was another, you know, a couple hundred dollars again, you know, the church stepped in and said like, we'll meet that need. Um, and then I was like, okay, you know, now what's next? It's like, okay, we need insurance to drive a car. So, you know, now we get, we get a set up with some insurance. And then I remember coming home and for the first time, like seeing like Abe's car wasn't there. And I was really worried, like what, what had happened to Abe. And it took me a few minutes to just kind of realize that he was probably out driving, like mm-hmm. he was gone, you know? And that was just such a sweet moment. And the next day I came home, I think a little bit earlier and he was getting ready for work and he had a Papa John's uniform on and he had his hat on and just this huge smile on his face. And he was like, I'm going to work. And, uh, I snapped, I asked him if, it, if I could take a little picture of him. It was first, first picture I ever took of him just cause I wanted to remember the moment. And, uh, I did. So I have this picture of Abe, you know, standing next to his cab, uh, you know, this giant smile on his face, excited about going to work. And, so, you know, and then it didn't, it didn't end there, you know, for months Abe would work and we would talk about, you know, maybe moving into an apartment and, you know, talk about like connecting him to some resources. Cause at this point he'd been homeless, um, technically homeless, um, uh, for over a year. And, uh, he was like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. And so we just, you know, again, just through relationships, spent time with each other. And, uh, eventually he got to a point where he was like, Hey, you know, I'm ready to find an apartment. And he had found one that he wanted to move into. And, Again, it was like, you know, deposit is first month's rent. It's like, you know, you just couldn't really save up that much, you know, delivering pizzas um, or for whatever reason. And so we just said, all right, well, we'll, we'll step in another time. And so we uh, wrote a check to help him move into this apartment. And so I, I remember going with him that day to move into this apartment and met him in this, this beautiful little place. And we just sat there as he filled out all the paperwork and... He, uh, they asked for his birth date and he filled it out. It was like 1-30, I don't remember the year. And uh, it happened to be like that day was January 30th. And I was just like, hey, is today your birthday? And he was like, oh yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> and uh, we both just kind of laughed. But, you know, he was like, thanks for reminding me. And I just was like so struck. You know, here I was with this human being. You know, he's got he's kid, he's got kids. He's got grandkids. He's someone's son you know he's someone's brother and you know not only were they not here to like help him over the last year and a half for whatever reason but here on this like day this special day for him and thinking about even the last january like nobody knew you know this day was about to pass a by without ever even really remembering that it was even his birthday Mm -hmm. and i just have never had a birthday where that Mm -hmm. happened like i it wasn't even a possibility for me to consider what it would be like to not even remember that it was my own birthday like what does life have to be like Mm. what does what does the world have to teach you to think that you can go a whole day without even realizing that it's it's your day you know and uh so I'm processing in the moment and just kind of feeling like, man, I didn't even know. But at the same time, I was like, well, I'm here, right? And I found out that it was his birthday and I was here to tell him happy birthday and say happy birthday. And um, it didn't seem like saying it was was enough, but somehow it also felt like it was enough, you know, because I was there and just showed up. Um, so that was... Uh, that was in January and um, you know we see a probably every couple weeks he'll drop by or he'll like leave a pizza on our back porch (laughs) just to know that he's okay and we still talk to him quite a bit and 
You know, so for me, there's so many points in that story where we would just like, I think the world and our own upbringing has trained us to say, whoa, 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 like, wait a second. Why did he get in that situation in the first place? Right. Why didn't he do that himself? Why did he not know how to do this? And I think we just have to acknowledge that those questions are always going to be there for whatever reason. But I think inherent in the fact that we're asking ourselves those questions, we've got to acknowledge that someone has taught us to think that way. Sure. That someone has taught us to consider these things and that maybe some people weren't taught those things. Or maybe, you know, who knows why Abe got into that situation. I don't know. But what, what I did know is that I was there. I was there for a reason. Like I had the capacity. I had the way we talk about it, it's like I had the margin, right? Yeah. Like I had a little bit of time. I had a little bit of like financial resources. I think most importantly, like I had a like a, an ear to listen to Abe and talk with Abe. Most importantly, just sit and be with him. I created that margin to do that for my neighbor. And then everything else just kind of flowed from that. And again, I think the focus on, you know, inherent, like inherent in the question you're asking is like, how do we move through the nuance? Can you tell a story about that? It's like, we're kind of trained to focus on the details of someone's past to equate why they're here right now. And I think what we have to do as a community is focus on, okay, well, regardless maybe of how you got here, right? Like maybe some of it was personal responsibility. Maybe you could have made better decisions, but let's just acknowledge that you're here and I'm here too. And how can we focus on the nuance of the path for you moving forward? And that's where I has started to like focus my energy and my heart is on an individual and like figuring out what is that path for them moving forward? Cause it might mean, and what are the barriers, right? It might be, it might be a relationship. It might be time. It might be money. It might be a driver's license or a home. It could be any number of things, but whatever it is, rather than focusing on how you got here, I'm going to focus on, and maybe I might be the only person in your life that sees you for your potential and not seeing you for your past. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really key because some, some people don't have anybody in their life that sees them for their potential. And in fact, they've gone so long without somebody seeing that in them that they've forgotten they have potential mm -hmm. in their own heart. Mm -hmm. And I think what they need is somebody to come alongside them and say, yeah, I get that this is where you're at, but this isn't where you're gonna stay. Mm -hmm. And here's here's how we're gonna do this together. So. I mean, again, that's, that's a lot. I don't know how many minutes that was, but, you know, that's kind of... <laughs> it's awesome, mind. Adam. Thank you. Those stories are ones that, you know, yeah, they are one in, one in a hundred, you know, like, but I think for me, the reason why I'll spend the rest of my life working on this is because I want to see more of those. Mm -hmm. So if it takes me a thousand to get a hundred of those stories, then yeah, we're going to, we're going to do it, you know, and that's what why, I hear you yeah. saying is the difference between your past and your potential is people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And how do we as people have the margin for that is to schedule it, to clear it, to be mm -hmm. intentional with it. And then I think we can have those stories can be one in 10, yeah. you know? And I would say like, if you've never, if you don't know a story like that personally, go find it. Mm. Like take 10 minutes next time you're walking downtown and just sit with somebody and say, can you tell me like, how are you doing today? Can you tell me your name? Can you tell me like, and maybe just for a couple times, just say hi to them with their name, use their name, look them in the eye. And then maybe at some point just say like, can I get you a cup of coffee? Like we would do with anybody, yeah, right? right? Like we would do with any colleague that we meet or any person that we work with. Once we got to know them, we'd say like, hey, I want to get to know you a little more. Let's go grab a cup of coffee. And then you hear their story. And I mean, we can think about 
all the people we know, like every time we sit down and talk with somebody, we just love hearing someone's story. You know, we love getting to tell our story. And uh, I think if you don't know those stories personally, like if your heart has not been shaped by a story like that, then go find it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and chances are you probably live near somebody with a story like that. Chances are you probably pass somebody or drive, excuse me, drive by somebody every day with a story like that. And I think you'll be surprised at what those stories do to shape your heart. That's awesome. Thank you, Adam, so much. Yeah, yeah. We will be sharing more stories like Abe's over the life of this podcast because we believe our shared stories are the drivers for transformation. We cannot wait to continue these conversations on what is hidden in plain sight and how we might care well for those on the margins in our city. I invite you to go ahead and push subscribe on our podcast so you can get episodes in real time. Together, we can create change in our community. Thank you for being here. To learn more about CityCare, please visit us at citycareokc.org or check us out on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, CityCareOKC. We are activists for the overlooked, and we will see you soon. Mm -hmm.